to be joking. You've got to be joking. Now, when the treasurer wishes oh, to go no. there or not, I would forbid him going. Forbid him going to the Senate. To, uh, to uh, account this unrepresentative swell over there. What you got cooking, Rob? Uh, well, this week, mate, I cooked up a little chili con carne for myself for the week. Yeah. Uh, on form, Rob bought ragu to my house. <laughs> and he's a ragu. I don't know what it is. He always has ragu on him. It's just like that weird thing. I don't know. It's weird because your definition of ragu is meat cooked in sauce. Yeah. Which I is guess... the definition at, of ragu. At the most fundamental level, but... Uh, most Australians would know it as some sort of slow-cooked lamb or beef in a red sauce. That's the thing, Rob. I'm not most Australians. You know, I'm special. You're you're an actually native Italian speaker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, my cat is parked up on a lot of uh, wires right now, a lot of cables. It's right. I, I told Nick we're going to ignore it, and yeah. that's lasted a minute. <laughs> <laughs> One minute, and now we're talking about the cat. Okay. It's all right. If you hear like a weird sound, it's probably my cat chewing the cable, but... Don't worry, we're going to push through because we're professionals. We are professionals, despite the fact that it would have taken like a minute. Yeah, literally one minute to put the cat away. But I don't want to see that pain look on her face when I close the door. And we're we're in we're in a time sensitive uh, world. It's true. Yeah, things we people got things to do, Rob. And that's why we're blessed just to have any listeners of this podcast. Can I just say thank you to everyone who listens? I don't think we say that enough, Rob. Yeah, I truly appreciate everyone that listens week to week. I I just like you know I I don't know why. I'll, (laughs) I'll put that out there, but. Clearly, there's some reason. So, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, we we do appreciate your uh, your patronage or yes. listening. Thank you for being our patrons. And if you want to talk to us, like my Instagram account or the Unrepresentative Swill Instagram accounts, always we reply to messages within seconds. Oh usually. yeah, and if you want to come on as well, like just yeah. message us. Like, we'd 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 happily love more um, feedback on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and we're we're truly grateful that anyone wants to listen to two idiots talk about politics. Absolutely. Um, only good feedback, though. I actually can't I can't take that negative shit. Obviously, obviously. Uh, Naturally enough. And we have a really exciting episode this week again. We're really hitting our stride here. We have Absolutely. our lovely friend Maddie coming on and talking about uh, one of the sweeping pieces of feminist literature of the past year-ish, Rob. Um, My Body by Emily Radajowski. We're going to talk about that book. But that's all coming up. Why don't yeah. we hit some news first, Rob? Yeah, we'll talk about that in a, a minute's time, no Hot doubt. minute. But we'll talk about some news very quickly. Yeah, let's get some news. And the big news is the tennis that happened last night, Rob. Yeah, a bit of tennis. Oh, so Barty won a couple of days ago. Oh, yeah, uh, true. Great yeah. thing for Australia. Um, yeah. ScoMo called her a queen, which is very funny for an Indigenous person. Yeah, nice. ScoMo... <laughs> He also had that hiccup with Grace Tame over the over last week. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. Yeah, I oh, I forgot about that. Now that's why I mentioned it now because we, we, there was that photo, that now infamous photo of her frowning yeah. uh, next to Scott Morrison, and she got torn apart in certain elements of the press. Yeah, um, and then you know, the then you have the counter, um, you know, wave to the outrage, and then the counter counter wave. Yeah, and we're very much part of the counter wave. Yeah, yeah, that that's our wave. Maybe yeah. we're part of the counter 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 counter. The quadruple counterweight. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be this episode's name. Okay. Uh, Yeah, but crazy that people got mad at her for frowning in a photo with the prime minister. Like, if yeah, 
if I was in a photo with the Prime Minister, I'd be doing way worse than frowning, right? I'd be flipping off or doing some other bunny, maybe bunny ears behind the head. Bunny ears? Nice. Yeah, that'd be funny. Um, so I think she didn't do enough, maybe. Maybe that's why I'm part of the counter, counter, counter wave. Yeah, who knows? Saying she didn't do enough. <laughs> didn't do enough. Uh, but people are saying like she really missed her chance. Like this is childish. I'm like, are you serious? Yeah, you know. Fuck you, Skomo, pretty much. Yeah. And this is usual stuff from Skomo, really. This is just what he does. Absolutely Keeps right. Keeps on putting his foot in his mouth and he's not fit to be Prime Minister. Absolutely right. Yeah, agreed. Uh, sorry, but I did interrupt your news about the tennis so just because I got reminded of that. Obviously. But yeah, so, Barty won Saturday night. Uh, great feel-good story. I, I can't think of someone who's more universally loved in Australia than Ash Barty. Yeah. And then last night, probably... I, I don't watch a lot of tennis, but that's the best game of tennis I've ever seen. I, I don't watch tennis either, um, but I watched a little bit of it. Really exciting. They're really exciting. Two nil, two sets down um, to go on and win it. Impressive. Rafa Nadal, the, statistically the greatest tennis player of all time now. There you go. Much better than that Djokovic fella. <laughs> and he likes getting jabbed. Yeah. Pro-vaccine. That's all he asked for. Exactly. And that's how he can relate it to politics, Rob. On the topic of vaccines, just the usual lot of COVID stuff happening over East. Yep. Yep. Uh, just, you know, 35 deaths in New South Wales, Victoria today, I believe. Uh, Monday, the 20... No, 31st, 31st Rob. Of January. Yeah, 31st. Um, it's just kind of stuff, really. Yeah. It's we- pretty normal. This is just what happens now we still had our deadliest day i think um last week uh so it is not getting fully better yet yeah but we're tracking along in wa here we're still having like a trickling of spreading yeah not slow spread of, in wa yeah exponential spread that we fear but who knows yet really right and yeah uh so yesterday sunday the 30th of january we had 22 new cases and it seems to be kind of in and around that 20 mark for the most part, and then occasionally it just jumps up randomly. Just the, again, thing like, oh, it doesn't spread in WA for some reason. <laughs> for some weird reason. Yeah. Also, um, friend of the show, uh, Nick Madden, has caught caught COVID whilst uh, erased, and he's since travelled into WA and is in quarantine. Yeah, we should say, followed all of the rules. Followed all the rules, yeah, um, very diligent. He's yeah. asymptomatic, he's triple dosed. And he's, he's staying not... isolated. Yeah. He's a, he's a good man. Yeah, but yeah, wish him well, as we did with Guy when he caught COVID. Exactly. Um, but yeah, crazy as well, because he was one of the very few return travelers who caught COVID yeah. like, while they were quarantining here afterwards. So He'll be uh, one of the 20-odd cases, I guess, that are in in Mark McGowan's press. Yeah, there. exactly. Yeah, yeah, he'll be famous, basically. Yeah. Not basically. as quite as famous as when he came on this podcast, but... Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't have the same reach, old Marky Mark. <laughs> Uh, and of course, Rob, there's some new rules that Mark has flagged for when we do get to a stage where we'll have more Omicron in the community and being open up. Yeah. Uh, which is weird because he hasn't set an opening update yet. So Yeah, it's strange. So if you have COVID and are asymptomatic, um, you only have to quarantine for seven days. So it, in theory, um, if this was opened right now, you would have to quarantine for less time if you caught COVID versus if you were an interstate traveller. Strange. <laughs> Doesn't make much sense. Makes zero sense. But uh, obviously these rules aren't uh, in place now. I think they'll be in place once uh, the borders open, right? Yeah, whenever that happens. Maybe he's trying <laughs> to signal he wants to do it sooner rather than later. I mean, he could just say it and not signal it. So I don't know I don't know if that's true. So Who knows? Uh, it's increasingly seeming more and more disorganized. Yeah, I know. COVID I mean, thing. I think he, he fears he made a mistake with that decision. So yeah, who knows, he's- Rob? Trying to backtrack a bit. 
Yeah. Um, there's also a new sub-variant of Omicron. I guess. I didn't know that was a thing. There you go. Experts say don't worry about it too much. <laughs> so, but I guess I'll, you know, take that as it will, as it is. That should be like all news. It should be like, guys, there's something bad happening, but don't worry. It's probably fine. Don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> it's okay. That's how they should end all news. And I'll be like, no worries. It's all right. You I'm know, just going to chill. I think they used to do that in the news. Like, they'd show like a kitten at the end of the news being like, oh. Don't worry. There's good worry. in the world. And then things got too shit and we're like, I can't even can't, can't even joke this. anymore. Things are bad and they're getting worse. Uh yeah. Um and one last thing before we let Maddie in, I think, Nick. Yeah. Um Spotify's in trouble for standing by the megastar Joe Rogan and his podcast, the Joe Rogan Experience. Yeah. One of I will say again, the worst podcasts out there. It's three hours of unedited misinformation. Yeah, so basically uh, rife with misinformation about COVID. Um, and a lot of people have been calling out Spotify for not doing anything about uh, the misinformation there. Uh, and Joe, uh, Spotify's stuck re- really hard by him, Joe Rogan, until this morning where they said they'll redirect people to um, COVID information spots. But also, as you said, the worst podcast going, I think. It's hot. I can't it's think of a worse podcast. Bad to listen to, right? It's it's terrible. It's so long. Three hours, it's unedited. unedited. <laughs> not really that interesting. They just get high on the podcast as well, yeah. which is not doesn't make for not good content. Not professional. No, it's terrible. And, and, this podcast is better. And That's misinformation about po- uh, about COVID, which is potentially the most dangerous thing about it. I know. Yeah. I mean, like we talk about like Rob on this podcast before as well, like Facebook and Twitter having this huge responsibility to correct misinformation or do something about this misinformation yeah. on their platform interesting to think about spotify has that role as well and maybe they didn't fully appreciate that but of course podcasting is gets political obviously songs not as much but podcasts yeah makes sense so they're gonna have to get a policy around this i don't know if they have one already but yeah well i don't know why the fuck so many people listen to him truly truly terrible content not like this podcast rob which is always always triple fact checked always brilliant Exactly right. And just and that's exactly what Maddie said to us after she finished with us. Yeah, and don't want to say anything more really, but other than get excited for this awesome segment with Maddie. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast, Maddie Verko. What a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure, Maddie. We're always looking for more women to go on the podcast, but um none of them want to. Uh, <laughs> until you. Um and we really need the credibility. Because we're really we're here to talk about a really fun but important topic as well, and a really cool book that's gripping the nation. Mm. Um, no, not really, not super recently. It came out I think last year. Oh yeah, okay. Um, but it's still a really cool book, and that's uh, the book My Body by Emily Ratajkowski. And Maddie, you've read this book, right? I have read the book. Yeah, I actually read it for my book club last month. Hell yeah! I don't have a book club, but <laughs> I also read it uh, recently. I listened to the audio book. Emily has a great voice, by the way. She narrated it, and that's always fun. Yeah, I heard that. I actually kind of wish I had the audiobook as well, but I just read it like the old-fashioned way, <laughs> the, I guess. The old-fashioned <laughs> way, yeah. Uh, Rob hasn't read the book, but um, Rob's very knowledgeable in this area, and he's just going to ask questions and stuff, right, Rob? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> I've, I've written a few feminist essays in my time. That's about it. Yeah, we have degrees. It's fine. Uh, uh, so, but we should probably cover, like, Maddie, what, what, what is the book about? So, it's just 
are basically like a series of essays uh, that recount different parts of her life. Um, and it doesn't really draw conclusions, but it more just speaks about each of those experiences and it jumps around a bit back and forward. Yeah, I got that vibe as well. Um, I guess for Rob's benefit as well, it's more like a collection of stories and like also not in time order as well. It kind of jumps around a bit, which is pretty cool. I thought like highlighting, I think different themes, like some more subtle than others, but it's only at the start and the end of the book. I think she gets like more political, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree there. Yeah, I thought, yeah. I mean, I think it was interesting to not do it in chronological order, but at the same time, yeah, it did give it the cooler aspect, I guess, like going back and forward, kept recounting similar stories at different points in her life and things like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, I guess, what, what do you think of the book overall, Maddie? Did you like like reading it? Was it good? Yeah, I I would give it a five out of five. I really loved it, but the feeling wasn't mutual amongst my other friends who read it. It's had very mixed, yeah, mixed reviews, I guess. Wow, what did, what did they not like about it? So there was probably three of us. There's five of us in the book club. Three of us gave it four or five out of five, but then the other two gave it like a one or two out of five. They just felt that it was just a bit of a pity party, which I'm not sure is where I stand. But yeah, they had their their reasons, I guess. That That's really interesting because like I've heard that as well, that same criticism. It's like a pity party. But from people who've like actually tried to read the book, that really interests me. Because mm. I think once you actually start to read the book, to me, it came across pretty quickly that Emily's like someone who's very smart and is saying things that I think deserve to be heard. But I can understand why some people might have that criticism if they haven't read it. Because they just look at Emily Radajowski and they're like, oh my God, like just a supermodel looking for attention. Yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. But yeah, that surprises me that they read it and then also still thought that. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe not so strongly, but they definitely didn't review it as highly as the rest of us did. But after we had like very heated group discussions and we kind of, everyone's opinions swayed a little bit. You know, everyone was making good points. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, And like, I'll speak to that criticism that I I have heard. I guess also I've heard it more strongly from people as well. And like, you know, they're semi-joking, but also like, you know, they're semi-joking, but there's a hint of truth in it. They say things like, oh, she's just a model. She's just looking for attention. Or like, yeah, she's just like crying about this. She's so lucky otherwise. I just think that's like so harmful. (laughs) It's just like such useless kind of shit criticism, I think. Because they're not even trying to like understand, like make a genuine attempt to understand the book. And, you know, what, I mean, why can't you, like, why would you take away her voice just because she's successful? I think that speaks to some like prejudices or attitudes that exist already in society and people feed off. And, you know, like they're patriarchal. They're, I think that they serve the men in power in this industry, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. For me, at first, when I was reading the book, it was kind of, it made me feel a bit hopeless in a way because if someone who's perceived to be one of the most beautiful people in the world is still insecure about their body and is opening up about it what hope do the rest of us have but then as i went on it's more humbling i guess like she's just trying to get through to us that models aren't on this separate unattainable scale in life also on that criticism why why because you're successful in an industry can't you criticize an industry yeah any other industry that makes perfect sense but for some reason there seems to be a double standard here 
yeah, I agree there. I think that she has every right to say what she said and criticize the industry because before she was successful, the industry didn't support her. So, and she's turned down work now that she is successful from the people who didn't support her originally. And she has every right to feel that way and express it publicly. Yeah, I mean, it's like, and it's specific to like, as Rob said, like this modeling thing, I think, like the modeling industry. There's somehow this view that because it's like, you you didn't work for like the position because of just like your natural beauty. And like one, I'm sure that's wrong. I'm sure it's, it, it is different skills besides your natural beauty or whatever you want to call it, what society thinks is beautiful anyway. Mm. Um, but there's this view that you didn't work for that. But like, that makes no sense because you know, people have natural intelligence. People have natural like sports skills, right? Yeah. And all these kinds of people, successful people generally work hard. Why is natural beauty or modeling different? It makes no sense. And I, again, I think if you looked hard at it, it's a narrative that's been written by the powerful people, yeah, usually men in these industries to continue exploiting and make women feel powerless, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good point. I'm, it's hard to say really why people feel that way about the modeling industry, but I guess that's why a book like this is important and important for anyone to read, not just young females. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll say a lot of the book is just her, as we said before, talking about her experiences and, and really emphasizing in, in quite powerful and emotional ways, just how the negative consequences of modeling in terms of how she perceives her body mm-hmm. and how that affects her day to day life yeah, emotionally and mentally. And then the horrible stuff she had to deal with in the modeling industry, including uh, several instances of sexual assault, uh, mm-hmm. both outside and inside the industry, which is just harrowing to read. Just so many and she the the way she talks about them I want to say like even casually or you know just makes me seem like it's just kind of routine and obviously she doesn't want to try and bring that across but I think I think it was powerful that she made it seem like that was just something all women have to struggle with in that industry which is truly awful yeah at times matter of fact like this is what happened and then it's only now looking back that she realizes that it was wrong like she kind of talks about how at the time certain things didn't feel right but I feel like it's only with age and potentially success that she looks back and realizes just how wrong it was which is pretty sad yeah yeah and yeah maybe that's where some of this criticism comes from is because I don't think maybe she ever mentions she intentionally did this but I think she talks about seeing women that did and you can imagine there are maybe would be women that intentionally try and cozy up to powerful men in the industry as a way of trying to make their career succeed and it's almost like that's what you have to do in a way to get up in the industry and people view that and you're like oh well you're like complicit in the system then so you're also what's wrong with it but that's just such a simplistic way of looking at it to me those women the people who are lower down in that power scale they're being influenced by the system it's kind of forced to do what they're doing right yeah the people at the top have the ultimate power here when she's talking about, yes, yeah, certain experiences from when she wasn't as popular, like her ability to recount them now and talk about them publicly, it kind of also made me think how many other models are there who never made it as big as she did, who have been through the same or worse and, you know, never get the chance to do what she has done. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I, I, I hope uh, like other models appreciate her story as well. And it resonates with them and they're like, you know, they support the the same kind of criticism and comments she's making as well. Yeah. I mean, it's just 
it's precisely because of the success she's had that she's been able to have this voice, right? So to criticize someone for having this success and then um, being implicit with uh, how terrible this industry is, it's kind of a little bit like you got to do a deal with the devil if you want to, you know, expose them. Um, and at the end of the day, it's not her fault for, uh, you know, succeeding in an industry that is sexist. It's the industry's fault itself. Yeah, I feel like the bigger meaning of the book would be that it should spark change in the industry if she's willing to talk about it openly, in particular uh, her experiences with certain photographers and things like that about being taken advantage of in huge ways. It should, yeah, just spark a change as in it's not okay. There needs to be changes made to the laws around photography and things like that so that no one is caught in that situation again. Yeah, I 100% agree. And, and Maddie, there's like the the more harrowing stuff of like yeah, the being taken advantage of and then the terrible stuff of the sexual assault. Also kind of lower down is is just the general experience of being a model where she speaks to just like feeling like a human canvas or just, you know, a, a lump of meat basically. And that maybe isn't isn't quite, you know, the people being aren't, aren't being quite as predatory there. But that's just how modeling is, is you're just like a, a body to be moved around, uh, you know, to be someone else's a tool, I guess, in, in a photography or in, in, in a, a, a photo shoot, right? Yeah. Um, like, do you, I, I got the vibe that Emma was saying, not, Emily was not like really criticizing so much the idea of modeling as an industry, but just more spoke about the negative consequences of it as a kind of, part of the job i mean but maybe maybe other people got a different vibe like what do you think she was saying just about modeling in general yeah no i i agree i think she wasn't trying to say that modeling itself is bad but just that it's not right that it's so many men in power in this industry and the stories that she talks about with sexual assault and being taken advantage of aren't rare it's pretty common and that is, yeah, that's not a problem with modelling itself. That's a problem with how the industry is run and I guess where it where it hasn't moved away from now. Like in 2022, this that shouldn't be the case in an industry like this where females are – well, I think that female models are more popular or more widely known than male models. So how is that still happening in a predominantly female industry out of all of the industries that there is? Yeah, I know. I know. Like truly there are – problems in the industry i mean but that's not to say the whole the whole thing is, is is worthless or it can't be done in a better way i guess yeah i thought it was interesting she talks about how when she was little and she'd get approached in supermarkets and people would say to her mom oh your daughter should do modeling and even from a young age she wasn't sure like she was hesitant until she was in her teen years was did she want to do that did she want to enter that industry so i feel like that kind of comments like that she was predisposed to what the industry was like and that's part of where her um, hesitancy came from. Yeah, and that's like I, I think similar to the whole theme, which is like it was a blessing and a curse, um, the whole you know, being bored with the quote-unquote natural beauty is that you have the ability, as she says, like quite plainly to make money off your body um, mm. and to commercialise that in the kind of the capitalist system we live in. But there goes with that a whole host of negative consequences, including things like people in the supermarket walking up and talking about your body openly like that, mm. which is just crazy to me. And, you know, I, people still do that. I just think like, who just thinks it's appropriate to just talk about people's like bodies just like in front of them like that? Yeah. I just think it's so awful. Yeah. And she says that as well 
from the first time she went to her first modeling audition and things like that no one really well I feel that she was saying no one ever really looks at her face per se and says hi Emily how are you feeling today it was like oh not tall enough good boobs though those were the comments made from people who she'd never met before it's yeah it's just so odd that as a model that's all that's all that she was seen as at the castings was her body no one no one cared for anything more and yeah I guess that's one of the really important factors of her going writing this book and releasing it is yeah just like tearing down that facade that she's just her body yeah, I think that's like so well put, Maddie. And I, I think she encourages you know women who young women who are interested in the idea of modeling to continue to take up uh, to to go into the industry. They should be empowered to to make money and make a living out of doing that. But like, I guess you'd need to keep in mind the 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 nature of the job is that there you can you might not have the best relationship with your body image and stuff like that Mm. but also like the industry needs to be better and they should be there should be things to put in place that better serve these women that are in those roles yeah yeah it shouldn't be yeah I feel like as a young model or an aspiring model it I don't know it just kind of feels like she was saying I'm I'm proud to be a model and I'm proud of where I am now but you're probably going to have to go through some shit like I did to get here and the shit is sexual assault and not being viewed at as more than your body and that's your whole worth and that is just so enormous that no one should have to go through that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree anymore. And I'd imagine the the impact of the constant uh, critique and criticism of one's body would almost certainly lead to terrible body image, especially when you're modelling from a very young age. I can imagine it would have pretty significant effects on your mental health. Yeah, yeah, for sure. She does, yeah. She touches on that a lot. And I yeah, that's kind of what I was saying at the start. At the start, when I was reading the book, it's, yeah, it's like, if she has these issues, what hope do the rest of us have? But then when you find out what she's been through from the age of at least 13, it makes a lot more sense. I feel like people underestimate what it would have taken for her to release this book because although she wants to be seen as more than her body, her whole image on social media is like, I'm effort. I'm effortlessly beautiful. I was born this way. Like she has a very. It comes across quite um, carefree. But then by releasing this book, I feel like it's changed the whole view of her. And yeah, she's in such a. Her, it's only because of her huge following and huge success that she was able to do that. But that in itself is sad. <laughs> yeah no truly and it's you know, a very intimate and personal book as well like the things she says it must have taken a lot of courage to publish that right yeah yeah for sure and I think yeah the people who critique it without reading it don't realize the damage that I think that they're doing by not giving it a chance and not seeing that she has some pretty good things to say <laughs> she also made that allegation about Robin Thicke right yeah um, which was pretty big I think for her as well that's kind of shaken up that industry as well. Yeah, on that, I thought it was, I mean, I think it's interesting and I'm drawing a conclusion here, but at other times in the book, names were left out and that must be because she'd contacted them. Well, this is what I think happened. She's contacted them and they've said, no, like you can't use my name. But when it was with Robin Thicke, his name was all through the book and it kind of, makes me wonder was he approached and he was like yeah no no worries you can put my name in the book 
it's not going to affect my reputation if you put this story in the book. That's a pretty edgy conclusion, so feel it's free the Maddie, to... Maddie Verko theory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I just kind of took it as like, that's something she like has never talked about before and it's quite a serious like allegation. And I guess she just felt like it was important for the book to for her to do that, to make the accusation. Yeah. So then we talked about, I think a little bit ago, I want to bring up again actually, is the bit in the book, Maddie, where she talks about that night she had with the photographer who took a bunch of um, Polaroids of her. Yeah. Like I think like, you know, in quite compromising positions and stuff. And then 10 years later, this guy, after she gets a lot more famous, this guy just releases a book, like a series of books with all these images of just her and he owns it. He makes all the money off it. And there's just something like so sickening about that, right? Yeah. So sickening. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I was just like, it, just the idea of that, the idea that this guy owns those photos of her body, like almost owns her body image and she has no legal say over that. So that's like the thing where I'm like, this seems like there's a huge problem in the system and just our, our view of ownership. And it's like, you know, that's like what capitalism is, I guess. But how can you own yeah. her photos like that? Yeah. But then I think even on top of the fact that he owns the photos, why did he feel like he had the the right to release the book 10 years later? Obviously, you know, he was going to make more money then because she was more famous. But still, it just in what world do you sit and look at these um, compromising photos of a model and be like, yep, I'm going to release a book full of those and I'm going to make all the money off it. It's just, yeah, very sickening. And But then moving on to the fact that he owns the images, I feel like that's a whole other problem. They shouldn't – if. If Emily is in the photos, she should have at least some ownership over them. I know. It's like, it's just an, a weird like area of the law that is just, I mean, it's it's not natural if you think about it. And some of these things, I think we, we get into the pattern of thinking they're natural. It's like, oh yeah, you own, own those photos. Yeah. Like they're yours. How can you own like a photo? Yeah. Like, yeah. How can you own a photo of this person's like body? Like if you really question that critically, does that make sense as like a natural thing? I mean, I don't think so. Uh, that's a theme, I, a theme I really liked from the book. She talks about as well a friend that bought a painting of her or something. Oh, yeah. Or, uh, like a painting or a, a piece of art of her, like an Instagram post of hers. And that's even worse because she took the photo yeah. for Instagram and then someone, an artist put it on a painting and then someone else bought the painting and like owns that photo of her now. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, maybe Rob, you have something else to speak about this, but just the idea of ownership in this context is just so, so foreign. It just seems so sickening to me. I couldn't agree anymore, but unfortunately the system we live in is um, entirely uh, centered around ownership and enterprise really. So I see it very difficult being able to change that, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that's the sad thing is that even someone as big as Emrata, I don't think she was successful in her lawsuit against the photographer. One thing that I, I think is interesting is the whole idea of morality versus money um and this this topic is the perfect example of how morality can crash with money and how in society now everything money dominates morality by a distance Uh, and i think the book's shedding shedding light on this but it's not just an issue in this industry but i'd imagine it's an issue in a lot of industry particularly where women are in compromised position uh, pornography is another industry i can think of right off the top of my head it's so terrible to see that uh, in these industries where women are the stars of the industry men still seem to profit off it like how's that fair at all yeah yeah that's so true 
I mean, like, if you truly, like, this is just that thing, if you look hard and critically at this problem, to say there isn't, like, you know, a patriarchy or whatever you want to call it, a system where, you know, men historically in power have created structures that help exploit women for their gain. Like, if you don't think that exists, just look hard at something like the modeling industry or Rob was saying, other industries, and you can just see it, obviously. Obviously, it's been there, and you still see it every day in all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I think... Um, she touches on that a bit in the book, circumstances where she's been paid to do things that aren't necessarily modelling based. Like at one point she gets paid to go to the Super Bowl just to like sit near, I think it was the producer of The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. the guy who like embezzled money from the Malaysian government. Yeah, yeah. Got he's in, in prison now, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, how, yeah. Mess- how weird is that? Yeah, yeah, but like the fact that he felt that it was normal to offer her, it was a lot of money. I Maybe I want to guess it was about 20 grand to go to the Super Bowl with her with him and just be there near him what an odd concept like I mean great for her because she didn't cross any boundaries or feel like she owed him anything so she got to make twenty thousand dollars but still just an odd situation and that's like that familiar tension with runs through the whole book which is like you know you're selling something about yourself your body your presence and you know you're I guess she she says like you're liberating yourself because and she I think points this out a lot, like to her at the time. And I think she still thinks this, like money was her liberation, I think, because it was like her profiting off the system. But at the same time, there's that tension, but because like, what are you being valued for there? Yeah. And I think she, she speaks about that on that night as well at the Super Bowl, And also when she went to Coachella with some other model friends that some of her friends did feel like they owed the men in power something and they did cross lines and she didn't look at that and she wasn't shaming them for doing that or blaming them or anything like that but it was more just a comment that I I held back but potentially at the time that wasn't the smartest idea for me to do because it probably held me back from getting more work and things like that yeah and that's like the system again that's the system in power the system that forces women into these you know really terrible decisions yeah um and it serves the interests of these powerful men i guess to to conclude though i mean a really powerful book with a lot of really good stories and also good comments i i would be really interested in in a book where she goes more theoretical and she makes more of those judgments about the industry because i feel like you know while she might might be criticized more it's like something i want to hear is like what she thinks should be done about it, you know? Yeah, I agree. I I think we might have spoken about it not on the podcast today, how we've both felt that the book could have been almost twice as long had she done that. And yeah, I guess she didn't want this. This book has already got so much judgment just based on, and all she did was reflect. So I guess maybe she was aware of that. Uh, and hopefully there's a second book that will do that. <laughs> yeah, hopefully this is, you know, her career as an author is not done, right? Mm, yeah. Thanks, Maddie, for coming on. No we worries. We really appreciate your presence. I'm sure a lot of people have learned a lot of things and maybe some people have reflected on a few things. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really glad I could be a part of this. Thank you so much, Maddie. And go out and read the book if you haven't. It's a really good book. Yeah, for sure. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube at Unrepresentative Swill and at Swill Podcast on Twitter. See you next week. <laughs>